Welcome to the Writer's Right Podcast, the show where every writer has the right to speak their mind. I'm your host, Joshua Howe, and as always, we'll be giving attention to the last thing my guest has written and the writing process. Today's guest is a writer at Raptors HQ, the host of Locked On Raptors, and one of the funniest and therefore best follows on Raptors Twitter. It's Sean Woodley. How are you doing, man? I'm great after that lovely introduction. How's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I constantly find that um, you're like, the way you go about just enjoying Raptors fandom is like so relaxing. It's so like just chilled <laughs> out. Like I'll be going through my Twitter timeline and I'm just like, oh, there's Sean doing his it's fine thing yet. By the way, have you trademarked that phrase? Yet? It's fine. No, yeah. I uh, I probably should. I should like try to work it into like the title of the podcast or something. Like locked on, it's fine or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a rough thing I need to work on. But no, but I I don't know. I've kind of always just ever since I started really covering the Raptors. I guess it was like 2015, the year that they lost against the Wizards in the playoffs, and like that year warranted a lot of like harsh reaction I think from fans. And since then. Things have been really good, and overall, the last five years have been really good, and I just think someone needs to kind of offer a little bit of perspective on the whole thing, because I think as we're going to talk about today, considering what I've been writing recently, it used to be so much worse. So a little perspective (laughs) on where the Raptors are compared to 10, 15 years ago, I think is kind of useful at times, and I just, I don't know, it's basketball. I, I don't really derive sports joy because I'm a Toronto sports fan. I've had to kind of find ways to enjoy sports without having to like hinge all of my hopes on titles because that's a uh, pretty futile effort when you're a, a Toronto sports fan so like I just I try to enjoy the you know the hidden layers of sports fandom that I think some people have kind of lost a little bit maybe of late just because it is so title or bust in a lot of conversations about not just basketball but everything really um, so I, I've tried to kind of offer a bit of a different perspective to that and I think you know the the Raptors, considering where it's been, it's just it's it's good to take a step back and just kind of be like, all right, man, it, it really is fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I really I appreciate that uh, line of thinking because I I always say that now I come from like I try to come from the Blake Murphy school of thinking, in which mm-hmm. case everything is just like there's a balance to everything. You don't you don't have to be freaking out about everything that happens because mm-hmm. there's always like an upside and kind of a downside to almost everything in the NBA. It's just kind of how sports works. Um, but yeah, I think you should definitely try and trademark that phrase. Cause I mean, Taylor Swift did it with like, she did it with a whole bunch of things, but I remember when she did it with this sick beat and if, <laughs> if Taylor Swift can do that, you definitely need to own it. It's fine. Cause that's, that's crazy. At the very least it should be my Twitter bio. So maybe I'll work <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Although I do like, um, what is it? Naps at couch. I do like that. Yeah. I, so for people who haven't looked at my Twitter bio, yeah, that I, at couch as like, uh, like the Twitter handle in my profile. It's just some like random Silicon Valley dude who I, I, I'm sure has no idea that uh, I've used him. He's like an engineer at Twitter actually, which is kind of weird. But oh, yeah, wow. he's just in my profile because uh, it, it, he had a really good handle and I wanted to use it and no one knows unless they click on it. So um, shouts to Bill Couch. <laughs> wow. I d- I've never even actually clicked on it, so I didn't know that. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um, yeah, okay. So the reason I brought you on is because uh, you're doing Raptors rankings. Um, it's ranking season, as uh, oh, everybody sure can attest to. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. I, I'm outspoken about this, and I tweeted about it a little bit recently. Um, but I'm not a big fan of rankings in general in terms of um, using them as like a serious indicator for the basketball discourse. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they really mean much of anything and it's hard to have a serious really strong thoughtful conversation just based off rankings it's you know they're more like barbershop things they're fun um you can you know it's the same thing with like top 10 lists is kobe top time uh top 10 all time is he top 20 whatever it's kind of just a fun conversation it doesn't change his career or whatever um however the raptors rankings that you've been doing are fantastic because that's exactly what they are they're written for fun and it's like you can tell, and um, obviously you're uh, like putting a lot of work into it to figure out you know exactly where guys go, and you have your own um, requirements of what Raptors need to meet uh, to get wherever they get on your list. But um, it's clearly there's a lot of fun in it, and I'm I'm really enjoying it for that reason. 
Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, like it, it is ranking season today. Uh, I mean, today's the day that SI's uh, rankings came out, I guess, and the Raptors were scorned as they always are, apparently. I don't know. I don't really read them or care. <laughs> but, you know, everyone, it, it seems like this is the time of year where everyone likes to compare DeMar DeRozan and Chris Middleton for the fifth year in a row. And I just, oh, I'm with God. you. I don't think it's particularly useful for like actually evaluating basketball. They're fun and like they're extremely good September content for sites and stuff. So I totally get why people do it. Um, but I think people take them a little bit too seriously, which is something that I've tried not to do with this Raptors one, even though I will, I have like a lot of pretty strong opinions on certain guys who haven't quite been ranked yet, but people will realize once I do rank them, they'll be much higher than they probably should be just because I have like a little flashpoint memory of something they did. And I'll just like jack them up a hundred spots just because of that. So Omar cooks coming. Don't worry, everybody. He's coming very soon. Um, so yeah, it is. It's been a lot of fun to do. I well, I don't even know why I decided to do it. I um, I was sitting around like a couple weeks ago. Like I'm kind of bored. I haven't written in a while. There's nothing going on. Uh, I guess I could do this. There's 218 players in Raptors history. That's not like crazy. It's not too much that you can't do, and that it's too ambitious. And I have always kind of been fascinated by the history of the Raptors, especially over the last five years, as we've talked about where things have gotten a little bit more normal. It is kind of a, a stark, you know, step away from what it used to be. Like I remember there being like 25 different guys at times would play for the team in one season. And they were just the saddest dumpster diving dudes you've ever seen. <laughs> and yet still you were forced to kind of attach your hopes to them because what else did you have? It was 2004 and Kevin O'Neill was coaching the team and they were scoring 65 points a game. So it's like, all right, I guess I like Dion Glover now. <laughs> um, so I, I've just kind of always been fascinated by it. I do a lot of trivia stuff on the podcast, Lockdown Raptors. I did a trivia tournament kind of thing where I just like, I don't know, I'm really into the history of this really sad sack team. And I think as they become more legitimate, it's going to be harder to kind of look back on these years and they're going to you know, quickly move further into the rear view and there won't be so much, uh, you know, a dominant chapter in the, t- in the history of the team, especially if a guy like Kawhi Leonard sticks around. If Kawhi is on this team for multiple years, like that is an entire chapter on top of the chapter that just happened, which was five years long. And then who knows what that leads into. It kind of is, you know, basketball is a lot like like late stage capitalism where the rich get richer a lot of times. And mm-hmm. especially now that, you know, stars are signing with other stars. Like if you have one of those, that can kind of set you up for, you know, a decade of being successful. And if that happens, then you're moving into almost half of the history of the franchise being positive, which for me just sounds disgusting um, wow. considering what I went through. So I thought this would be a good time. Now that Kawhi is here, Kawhi is kind of, I think everyone can agree the best player that the Raptors have ever employed just talent wise. And I thought it'd be okay to look back now as they kind of graduate a little bit to having a different sort of stature within the league at, you know, what was uh, a long list of guys who are uh, not particularly good, but have some fun stories, which is what I kind of like to try to bring out in the little blurbs I write about them. Definitely. So like, there's a part where uh, you brought in Dan Grant to, talk about a 90s player which was yeah. awesome um but it had me thinking like i wanted to know when you actually started um really being like a hardcore raptors fan because like honestly that first whole section like i was lucky if i knew a few names i did know a few names but like it's not many um there's yeah. a lot of dudes i'd never heard of yeah so my fan so i'm a 92 so i you know, I kind of missed the early era. To the, like, I never saw a game with the Skydome or anything like that. So okay. it was kind of the turn of the millennium where I really started to get into the team. And actually today in the rankings, uh, players 150 through 121, I posted a picture that I have of a ticket from my first game, at least that I remember. I think I might have gone to a game before this, but I don't remember it at all. Uh, this is the first game I remember going to. I went with my grandpa. It was Friday, January 14th, 2000. I'm looking at the picture of the ticket right now. The Raptors are playing the Bucks, And John Thomas, who is number 145 on the ranking, who was just like this like backup rotation, fringy rotation big, uh, he's on the ticket for some reason. And for me, I was like, oh, John Thomas, I like this guy. He's on the ticket for my first game. I- I'm going to really hitch my wagon to him. And then I go to the game, and he didn't play in the game at all. But it happened that Vince <laughs> Carter scored 47 points in the game, and that kind of wrote me in. And then the next year, I went to 
game six against the Sixers, which is kind of the forgotten game of that series because there was game seven and then Vince and AI had that big duel and Vince had the 50 point game. And, you know, you kind of forget about game six where the Raptors were up against it and facing elimination and they absolutely blitzed the Sixers at home. And I was at that game and I remember it so vividly as like a seven or eight year old. And that's, I think, kind of where it was cemented. And then, you know, when you're seven or eight, you kind of have a short attention span. I was a big Leaf fan in those times as well. And so uh, there were years where I was more of a Leaf fan than I was a Raptors fan, kind of went back and forth. Um, but that early sort of 2000s era is kind of when I got roped in. And then I remember watching a whole lot of really bad basketball between like 04 and 06 when Mike James was on the team and, you know, Pop So was like the next thing that you're hoping was going to work out. And <laughs> Rafael LaRugio is being drafted and sucking up the joint and, I, uh, you know, eventually when I went away to school in like 2010, I went like three or four years without watching like a single game. I was like kind of disenfranchised. Chris Bosch just left. I mm. was just like, you know what? I am going to check out for a little bit here because there's nothing to enjoy. I went to the first home game after Chris Bosch left against the Cavs who had just lost LeBron. And I've never been to a more somber sporting event in my entire life. And that was kind of the signal for me. Like, yeah, I'm going to like sit this one out for a little bit. I kind of kept tabs on the team. I was very much like in for them tanking and stuff. And then oddly enough, when they traded for Rudy Gay, originally when they traded Calderon for him, I was like really excited about it because Rudy Gay was a guy who in 2006, I was like, hell yeah, draft Rudy Gay instead of Andrea Bargnani first overall. That's what I wanted. They didn't do that, obviously. It didn't work out. But when they traded for Gay in 2012 or 2013, I'm sitting there as dumb, unsophisticated basketball fan like, yeah, Rudy Gay is awesome. This is great. The Raptors are good now. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but that's what kind of got me back in as like a full-time fan. And then a year or two later, I started blogging about them. But it's kind of been a, a hot and cold relationship, I guess, with the team. And oddly enough, some of the hotter moments were like in the middle of the 2000s just before Sam Mitchell came around before Chris Bosh really ascended like I remember a lot about those teams with like Kevin O'Neill being the coach and just the absolute destitute nature of the franchise at that point so I think that informs a lot of why I'm just so happy and hunky-dory with what the situation is now yeah do you remember like right after uh it was like several games i guess there were there were a few anyway there were more than like one two there might have been even more than three i don't know but after we got rudy gay he hit like a few game winners and it was like yeah. it was incredible we'd never had a player like that i was in my first year of university when that trade happened i remember because i got the trade notification right after i finished class and it was like i don't know six or seven at night or something and i booked it back to residence ran upstairs mm. um when I used to write for Raptors Watch, shout out to Kian Sabani if he's listening to this. Uh, we used to run Raptors Watch together, which was our own little blog, and um, and he's a huge Real Madrid guy now and stuff like that. So um, anyway, uh, we we did the news and stuff and you know like random you know typical blog things, and uh, I wrote a whole little piece about the Raptors trade, just more of like a news thing, you know, saying the Raptors traded you know so and so for Rudy Gay, blah blah blah. And I was freaking out. I was so excited. I remember, like, my fingers shaking as I was typing it. It was <laughs> wild. And now you look back on it, it's like, oh, my God, I can't remember. But I, I just, we never had a player like that. When I was really into the Raptors was the last couple seasons of Chris Bosh. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, um, do you remember that uh, St. Patrick's Day game against the Atlanta Hawks? And Raptors were wearing their green uniforms and uh, Chris Bosch hit a buzzer-beating game winner on a turnaround jumper on the baseline. I and... vaguely recall, although I tried to repress any game in which they were wearing <laughs> green jerseys. Yeah, fair enough. The jerseys <laughs> were horrible. But I was at that game with one of my best friends, and everybody was super drunk. And uh, it was full-on the Bosch dreads experience. And, man, it was it was wild. When he hit that shot, it was the only... Uh, game I've ever been to live where I've seen a game winner happen mm-hmm. and it was an, an just insane yeah that's uh that's a good pull those yeah those are the games like the ones you go to like I mentioned the one I was at where Vince scored 47 like that those are the ones that you remember because like I, I honestly couldn't pull that game out of my brain the one where Bosch hit the winner but yeah. when you're at it it's just like that much more oh yeah uh like ingrained in you but mm-hmm. yeah Rudy Gay I remember you asked if I like watched games, like and like it was if it was appointment television for me after it happened. Like hell yeah, it was. I remember it was like the fourth game or something after the trade happened. The Raptors were, I believe, at home. I want to say 
Oh, God, when was it? It was – I'm trying to pull up the game log here. It was pretty soon after the deal. It might have been an uh, – yeah. I'm trying to find it here. I can't remember exactly when it was. But they were playing the Pacers, and the – like the, everyone was very excited. The Pacers were really good that season. It was, mm-hmm. you know, one of the – I think one of the Paul George years or whatever. I think they went to seven that, that uh, conference finals against the Heat. And the Raptors were playing the Pacers, and Rudy Gay went like – eight of 30 or something <laughs> it was like a horrendous performance but he ended up hitting a game winner yeah. in overtime i believe and i was like hell yeah i'm in on rudy gay this is amazing I'm, I'm fully in for this experiment but um yeah that that was not a particularly uh you know actually yeah it was i'm looking at it here it was on the road actually it was at indiana and rudy gay had 23 points on nine of 25 shooting so, but I was like, hell yeah, this is great. Uh, th- this is what I want out of my best player. Nine of 25 sounds good to me. <laughs> and they wanted it over time. And that, that kind of wrote me back in for what has been now six years of just like following the team with probably too much attention, <laughs> especially with like a daily podcast. But they've been worth it, man. It's been a lot of fun. And I was I'll, like, I still look back in that 2013 14 season where they turned it around. And like, I will never forget how cool that. December, January, February run was where they went from being on the verge of tanking, on the verge of trading Kyle to the Knicks, on the verge of just like going back into another cycle of rebuilding and instead just becoming the best team that I had ever watched. Like I, the early Vince days were great and Vince was amazing, but as a team, this was it was unmatched, and just the way Kyle and Demar kind of coalesced and became the stars of that team, kind of in a way that you don't really see in the NBA anymore. It's usually a lot of guys are kind of preordained to be great from the beginning, and then they are, and then they go through a cycle of are they going to stay with their team that they drafted them or not seven years later. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this was two guys who you know the Raptors just kind of got Kyle as an afterthought and it looked like he was going to be around for a very short time. And then he became a star and then DeMar just a self-made dude who started out as, you know, Sonny Weems is equal and became so much more than that. (laughs) And that I think is a big part of why this team is so endearing to me and why it was such a, a shock for it to be broken up this past summer. I mean, it's great. And I'm so glad Kawhi's on the Raptors now and it's going to be that much more interesting to cover but just as a a team to root for it was probably the easiest team you could imagine rooting for a team that kind of just grew out of nowhere and became you know i I liken it a lot people call the raptors clippers east i liken it more to the grizzlies and Mm -hmm. how the grit and grind team was just so important to that city after being so bad for so long like that's what the raptors were uh over the last five years so it's it's cool that they've kind of graduated up but i'm not going to quickly forget uh, just how unexpected and how important that team was for for five years there. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, this is my favorite. This has been my favorite time in Raptors franchise history. Not just because of the winning, but just the roster in general. The guys are all well. They're all likable. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's it's been it's just been fantastic. The golden years so far, really. And um, yeah, one last shout out to Rudy Gay because you know he's re- reunited with uh, Demar now, so that's exciting. Oh hopefully, man, hopefully I, it's. Helps. Part of it is funny because, like, the Spurs are just building a really good team in 2006. Um, but <laughs> another part of it makes me kind of sad because it kind yeah. of reminds me of uh, back when it was simpler, back when there weren't expectations of making the finals, back when it didn't matter if you beat the Celtics or not. Now all I think about is beating the stupid Celtics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't w- That's – oh, man. That's going to be all season I'm going to be so mad at them the entire season, aren't I? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I found them infuriating last season just because they came back from, like, 15 games they should have lost. Well, yeah, that's also – they were just, like, the biggest smoke and mirrors win streak I've ever seen in my life. And, ugh, the Celtics. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have – Locked on Raptors has pretty much turned into a Celtics hate podcast, like, three days a oh, week, so. I'm here for uh, that. Also, a Lakers hate. I'm cool with that, too. Um, yeah, I've, the Lakers can kick rocks. Yeah. LeBron's always been my favorite player because he's the reason I got into basketball. And now that he's a Laker, like I, every time I think about it, I kind of just shut down. Um, if there's one thing I appreciate about it, it's that it's going to piss Kobe off a lot. And oh, Kobe yeah. is, I, I think I made a joke about this a couple weeks ago, but like if the NBA had happened and just it's, everything's the same except Kobe wasn't in it. I, I would really I think I'd be more of an NBA fan I really would like I'm wow. I'm so sick and tired of just hearing about he retired two years ago people like let's yeah. just move on I don't care anymore Laker fans are insane Kobe stands are obnoxious and they're like 
one step below Derrick Rose fans. I mean, they're kind Ooh. of the same for yeah. a lot of reasons, but um, I just, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm over Kobe. And if LeBron being there either makes Kobe fans into little wet pants babies or makes Kobe <laughs> upset at, that his standing with the team might be affected, uh, I think it's worth it. Yeah, well, Kobe keeps like he's talking a lot recently, so I he I, loves his own voice. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. He's won his Oscar. He can. He needs to sit down and do something else. Um. <laughs> all right. So I want to hit some highlights from your list. Um, yeah. I've got a few here. So okay. So the first list you did was uh two eighteen to one eighty one, and uh the title was the dudes who stunk most. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a very apt title. Um. And yet there are some dudes in here that, like, I have, I'm either, you know, bewildered by, have sort of a weird affinity towards. Um, the first one that I have here, Malachi Richardson, of course. Yeah. Still currently a member of the Raptors. And in, most interesting to me um, here, just because he has a chance to, like, leap up the list. Like, most of these guys in this part of the list won't be moving because they're no longer Raptors. Richardson mm-hmm. has a chance to like you know get some of those key garbage time minutes, do some do something cool, do something fun, get some points up. There's a chance he uh, he goes up the list in the future. Yeah, the garbage time minutes are crucial when you're in this range of the of the rankings for sure. I mean, it, just looking down this list, so many of these guys played so few minutes and did so little with those minutes. Like Sean Marks is at 191. Yeah, and he played 13 games and, and averaged a point and a half and didn't do anything else. And, like, it wouldn't be a shock to me if Malachi Richardson, within, like, two or three games, has done more than Sean Marks ever did. So, you're totally right. I'm kind of curious to see how, like, I'm going to have to do, like, an annual update of these rankings now. Uh, I've kind of just, like, (laughs) sealed my fate now with this because I'm going to be interested to see where guys plop in. Like, if Kawhi has a really good season, where does he fit in after one season? If he wins MVP, like, that'll be an interesting conversation a year from now. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Malachi Richardson, he's not winning MVP, but he might be better than Jimmy <laughs> Oliver, so that's cool. Yeah. This is this is really <laughs> this is really your uh, pyramid. Like, you know Bill Simmons' basketball pyramid? This is, this is really that for you and for all Raptors fans. It's fantastic. Like, I, I enjoy this so much. Um Okay, so I also love the honesty you had when you totally, you just straight up come out and say that you don't know who Tim Kempton and Earl Kirtan are. Yeah, no, um, I, yeah, I <laughs> lost on me. I looked him up. Uh, I think Earl Kempton actually had the, sorry, Earl, Earl Kempton, Earl Kirtan <laughs> had like a kind of okay career. Yeah. Um, he played with a bunch of teams, had a couple of seasons where he kind of flirted with averaging like double digit points. But with the Raptors, he didn't do anything. He was here for nine games and scored fewer points than that. So, um, yeah, I, these are guys who I probably should have asked Dan Grant to help me out with considering <laughs> he's kind of my go-to guy as an old, he's kind of got me covered for the 90s stuff yeah um but even then i don't think he would have had any takes on tim kempton or earl curitan um who yeah i just they they sound like just made up names that you just throw into the free agent pool in like the 10th year of a dynasty mode yeah well that it it led to my favorite line the line about um curitan sounding like a lazy a lazily named pharmacist Oh my god. I I died laughing at that. Holy crap. That's amazing. Wow. Spot the lie, man. Spot the lie. <laughs> um okay, so Austin Day. I just yeah. I just wanted to bring him up because just because like I remember him. Like he's a guy I pointed to on this list and was like, I remember Austin Day. Oh my god. <laughs> and um and and yet the most interesting thing about him is really that Nando DiColo is, you know, related to Day through that trade. Um, and uh, he had a great career. So it's weird because I think about Austin Day. Now then my mind moves to Nando DiColo. Mm-hmm. And then all I want to talk about or think about is Nando DiColo. Um, hey, that's their worst things to talk and think about. Yeah, I mean, did you see and did you watch any of the Luka Doncic games this past season when he was in the, the tournament? I got to say I did not. I probably should have. This year I have DeZone. Because uh, I'm cutting cable because screw the telecom companies. But yeah. um, I uh, so I'll probably watch some European mm-hmm. basketball. I didn't really do it at all this season, and I'm not much of a draft guy, and I really am not a college basketball guy. Yeah. So it's not really. I wasn't, and I'm not worried. About, this is the nice thing about the Raptors. You don't have to care about the draft anymore. It's <laughs> awesome. They just trade away with their first round picks for dudes who help the team now, which is cool. Um, so no, I didn't get to watch. But I know Nando was probably cooking people in those games. 
Oh my god, yeah. I, I mean, I watched the one game I just happened to watch. I watched a few, and the first one I happened to watch was the one where Doncic's team. Um, he was on Real Madrid, right? Yeah. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Uh, he was playing Dicolo's team, and uh, <laughs> and I didn't realize he was on the team at first. And then I went, that guy looks really familiar. <laughs> and then I went, oh my god, it's because I've seen him in a Raptors uniform. That's Nando Dicolo. And then of course, you know, um, there are a couple of people. Um, Blake Murphy, for sure, mentioned that the Raptors still have his restricted free agency rights, free agent rights, um, which is hilarious to me because it's been <laughs> it's been years. Like, is he ever really coming? If he comes back, oh my god, I'm gonna I'm just gonna buy a Decolo jersey immediately. I don't know why he would come back. Like, I made this point in the post, but like, yeah, there's a real case that Nando Decolo is going to be a Hall of Famer just because he spurned the NBA and decided to be just a god in Europe for half a decade or more. Like, that dude has won everything there is to win. He's a three-time first-team uh, All-EuroLeague guy. He's won the EuroLeague MVP. He's got a title. He's got a Final Four MVP. Like, that's a Hall of Fame resume yeah. if it's the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is what it is. And people get mad about that every year, but I like it. I like that it's international. The NBA is not the only basketball. And the fact that Nicola was like, I could play as a third-string point guard and sometimes get action and usually ride pine and not do much with my career and make a little bit of money – or I could go to Europe, probably make more money because I'm a star over there. And of all the Raptors who have played for the team over the last five to ten years, like, Nicolo might be the only one who ends up being in the Hall of Fame one day because of that decision. I respect the hell out of it. Yeah, so if he comes back, what he needs to do is bring all of his awards to the locker room <laughs> and just put it all in his locker and just kind of stand there and just be like, yeah, guys, I've done things. Yeah, like, that'd it'll be, be like a situation where Kyle is – phased out probably has done his contract in two years um and then there'll be a competition for the new starting point guard job and it'll be nando coming in and showing off all that hard work fred van vliet <laughs> with his six man of the year award from this coming season oh yeah um and delon right from his defensive player of the year award that's definitely coming this season as well and it'll be just a battle of hardware between and we'll see who gets the starting job but like i i joked about this but i, I would not be shocked if after another year of just like being Le the LeBron of EuroLeague, if Nando's like, all right, let's try this NBA thing out again. I padded my resume enough that I'm a legend over here and I'm infallible. Maybe I'll come back. That said, he's like 31, 32, so maybe he's just kind of accepted that he's not going to be an NBA guy. But we can still hold, hold on to that hope. And honestly, had the team been worse in this time frame, I feel like the Nando DiColo thing would be something we cling on to with like so much fury and hope that like it would become a – I, I'm trying to think of like other like before Nikola Mirotic came over to the Bulls. People were like, "Oh man, wait till Nikola Mirotic comes over, baby. He's amazing." Um, this obviously is different because Nando's older, but I think that would be a thing that Raptors fans really clung to as like something that could be a way out of the depths. But thankfully, that hasn't been the case. Yeah, and speaking of uh, really good point guards, DJ Augustine was not that for the Raptors. <laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah, he. I, I don't understand. He's going to be the starting point guard for the Magic this season? Yeah. What's going on in Orlando? I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's a rough state of affairs there because DJ Augustine was putrid. He, I mean, in fairness, he didn't get that much of an opportunity to play. He only played 10 games and barely got in. But, like, he... He does this weird thing, though, where he'll just, like, go team to team and, like, it's like whack-a-mole. Sometimes he's amazing, sometimes he's awful, and doesn't. there's not really any rhyme or reason to it. I can't. I don't remember him being particularly good with the Magic last year, so I don't know why they'd be like, yeah, let's give him the job again. But what else do they have there? They traded Alfred Payton. I don't know. They just have uh, – maybe they have so many six-foot-eight long dudes that they'll just make Aaron <laughs> Gordon point guard and say, yeah. screw it. We're the magic. Why not try something out? But yeah. like DJ Augustine's about to get like real NBA starter minutes, and I don't know what to do with it considering his tenure with the Raptors was five years ago now. And I don't know what he's done in the meantime to prove he's an NBA player, like much of an NBA player, let alone a starter. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, shouts to him, I guess, for recovering from what is usually uh, a terminal blow when you you know play a, a ten game stint with the Raptors. Like I can't tell you how many guys I've gone through on this list. It seems like half of them where the end of their career is a 10-game stint with the Raptors and then they just like fade off into the sunset unceremoniously. Augustine avoided that, so I guess good on him? Yeah, I guess so. It uh, So 
I looked up right after he got traded because he got traded to Chicago, right? And he became yeah. like I remember when Tibbs was always called the backup point guard whisperer. Yeah, um, and he murdered the Raptors in a few games. I remember yeah, that. Too. He, he yeah, he he went from averaging like it was like two point three points per game with the Raptors to like fifteen points a game. <laughs> What's going on? How does that yeah. happen? And even like five assists, like oh my god! Like I don't know what happened there. Tibbs had something. I don't know some kind of super juice or something. I don't know. No, but, he just played for the Bulls, and you know anything that intertwines the Raptors and Bulls, <laughs> except for the last couple of years, I guess. But yeah. um, the, it usually skews Bulls in that situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, Corey Blount. Is it Blount? Blount. I think it's Blunt. It is Blount. Oh, Blunt. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is this is the greatest story maybe I've ever heard that I didn't know about the Raptors. Um, yeah, can you just you just take us through this? Yeah, so I didn't really know who Corey Blunt was. Um, I looked him up on Basketball Reference, and he just seemed like a regular run-of-the-mill journeyman big. And then I looked up a couple sort of, sort of stories about him, and the, the one that comes up is that in 2009 – he was arrested and then sentenced, I believe, to a year in jail um, because he was arrested with 29 pounds of weed in his possession. <laughs> and his defense was that he was going to smoke it all himself and, sh- and share it with his friends. <laughs> and the judge, uh, Judge Craig Hedrick, said to him in the in the in the trial, Cheech and Chong would have had a hard time smoking that much. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Um, side note, oh. you should expunge Corey Blount because uh, yes. who gives a shit about weed? Can I swear on this? Sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. Who gives a shit about weed crimes? But uh, yeah, it, it, just an outstanding way to uh, celebrate a career, I suppose, is going out to buy 29 pounds of weed and smoking it all with your friends. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm glad he only got one year as opposed to the maximum 10. I guess that's a little bit of uh, – Lenience on the part of the judge, but yeah, that's uh, that was some wild shit when I came across it. Yeah, what a what a great story. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Corey Blunt, man, never gonna forget. Okay, um, all right. So and then Anthony Bennett um, oh, was the last man. guy I wanted to touch on from your initial uh, rankings column. Um, man, remember at the draft and he got picked first, and Bill Simmons was there, and he went whoa. Those are pretty good Bill Simmons. <laughs> oh, thanks. And uh, it, it even made it into its way into the 2K game. And it was just like that. It's the thing I remember from that draft because nobody expected the Cavs to take Anthony Bennett. Um, I remember everybody kind of, uh, all the draft experts were like scrambling to kind of make excuses <laughs> for why the Cavs took him first overall. They're like, oh, yeah, he's going to be he's perfect for them. A pace and space era. He uh, he can shoot threes and um, he's athletic. And, a lot yeah. of Larry Johnson comps coming out of that, too. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I don't, and he was, uh, you know, the first Canadian to be picked first overall. Um, Wiggins was the year after. And, man, it just didn't work out for him. I don't know. I feel bad, really, when I think about it. Um, and, you know, when he returned to the Raptors, like you mentioned, he never really had a chance to, uh, you know, really do anything with that team because that team was too deep for him to really get any significant play time. Yeah, I remember that draft so vividly. I was, like, coming home from work late on whatever it was, a Thursday or Friday when the draft was. I guess it was a Thursday. It's usually on. And I was coming home from work late, and I was, like, trying to rush home because I wanted to see the draft. And I get home and go downstairs and turn on the TV, and it's David Stern uttering the name Anthony Bennett, the first words I hear when I get home. And I'm just like, oh, did I miss the start of the draft? (laughs) And then then I see him putting on the Cavs hat. I'm like, oh, my God, no, this didn't just happen, did it? It was incredible. And I was so excited because, obviously, you root for the Canadian players, and that was really cool. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, I guess he had some clout in college, even though I'm pretty sure UNLV got – torqued in the first round of the tournament or the second round of the tournament when he was playing for them but um i was excited and then when he came to the raptors i was like whatever the inverse of that is because (laughs) i just didn't see how it was going to work with him it was already a deep team it was you know till till this point maybe the best team the teams ever the, the raptors have ever had even you know at least before this past season where they won 59 and they were super deep but um like it was a crazy deep team that had a lot of power forwards and small forwards i guess although i guess louis scola played a whole bunch that year so maybe they weren't that deep but they seemed like they had that squared away pretty well and i just didn't think there was going to be any time for bennett and lo and behold there wasn't and then 
to add insult to injury, the one game where he gets some run, they throw him out against Dirk Nowitzki, and Dirk just torches him for like 20 points in two quarters or something like that. That's what it felt like. And it just was like, come on, Dwayne. Like, I love Dwayne Casey, but that felt like leaving Anthony Bennett out to dry, and Mm -hmm. I felt bad for him um, because it was just never going to work. There was never an opportunity there, and I'm glad he eventually went to the Nets, which was his destiny all along. But... um, it, it, I just, it seemed like a wasted year for him, and that was a big bummer. Yep, it really was. Um, I, I still, you know, I hope he finds a spot to play and, you know, be happy there, wherever that is. I don't even know where he's at right now, to be honest. He was, like, with the Suns G League team last year, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that yeah, makes sense. It's, it's it's not going super well. I think he went to Turkey for a bit. It wasn't good there either. Yeah. He might just not be long for this career, which is fine. He's got his money for being the first overall pick. That's awesome. Yeah. Go get your money, Anthony. Invest it well. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you as like a coach maybe for the Canadian national team at some point. I don't know. Sure. Maybe he'll like crop up in U sports. He'll go to school at like, I don't know, University of Manitoba and make it on the team, something like that. Yeah. Come be part yeah. of that new uh, Ryerson tech lab with MLSE or something. <laughs> That'd be cool. Um, okay. So – uh, the second column, uh, Journeyman's Tales, is what you called it. Yeah. Numbers 180 to 151. It's a lot of 10 days in this one. A lot of 10 days. Um, I, I just want to, just because we're a little short on time, I want to rapid fire through here. Yeah. Um, with just like the two main ones that are like recent that, you know, that I'm into. Um, and I'm sure you're fans. So the one is Malcolm Miller who I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of. And then the other one is Bruno, because, of course, we can't leave out Bruno. <laughs> yeah. uh, so quickly on Miller, um, I loved Miller. When he showed up in that Houston game last season, in the biggest game of the year, OG was out. Uh, Miller came in up on the two-way to fill in some minutes. And he played really well. He hit some threes. He played some solid defense. He made some really nice cuts. Um, I was really excited. And then in Summer League this uh you know, but this past summer he's uh, he dislocated his shoulder, and mm-hmm. uh, so now you know uh, I think the Raps have let him go since uh, since then, which is sad because you know his Twitter profile picture is still him in a Raps uni. Um, oh man, which makes me sadder. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I hope he gets picked up soon somewhere because I I still think he's really good and has a lot of tools. Yeah, no, he's playing uh, in the Asian Basketball League next year for the Formosa Dreamers. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, okay. so good for him, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I had high hopes for – I mean as high hopes as you can expect for a guy like Malcolm Miller. Yeah. I thought he was going to be pretty good. I thought you know he could have – had the bench been not, not been so good, like there would have been time for him to get in there. But you know between him missing the start of the year because he was hurt and just not having a full camp and then I think it's the same shoulder actually that he was dealing with last year that he's dealing with now. Um, and then just the, when he came back, the, the bench was kind of entrenched as this amazing unit and there was just no way to get in there. No minutes available. You already had Norm on the outside looking in. There was no way, no way Miller was going to jump over Norm. So it was a, a bit of a bummer the way it all worked out, but such is life when you're uh, a guy like Malcolm Miller, who's kind of riding the two day, the two way circuit. Um, but yeah, I hope he lands somewhere someday i don't know it would be cool if the raptors brought him back on some sort of deal because i thought he offered a lot and was pretty good for the d-league but um yeah a bit of a bummer the way that worked out but you know it's not a uh unique story in the history of the raptors that's for sure no definitely not um but i wish the best for him and then bruno who you know our lord and savior um how much uh how much hate have you gotten for putting him at 151 (laughs) Not much, actually. Oh, that's uh, good. That's I, good. Yeah, I mean, because I've kind of already said, like, if you're going to be mad about this, like, you're, <laughs> this is not the column for you anyway. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. And, and, like, I have arbitrary criteria. If they have a, a spiritual connection to the fan base in a way that other guys don't, then I'm going to boost them up higher. And I was, you know, you talk about games that you're at that kind of resonate with you. I was at the game against the Bucks where he came in for his debut after – pretty much two full quarters of the of the ACC chanting for Bruno to come in. Yeah. And I it was just one of the most magical things I've ever seen when he threw down that lob to get his first NBA bucket, hits a couple threes. Like it was absolutely bonkers in that arena. It was beautiful. Landry Fields hit a three in that fourth quarter as well. It was just like 
all kinds of weird stuff happening that was never going to happen again. It was lightning in a bottle, and that game itself, that's a more memorable moment than pretty much everyone else on this list combined was able to produce, So, I, at least up to that point at 151. So I just I had no qualms about putting it at 151. And then you can factor in like all the, the weird just sort of – you know, he was a big part of the team for four years. As much as he didn't play, like, he was always part of the conversation. We were always checking on him with the G League, the D League team. He had the 31 point game that clinched the G League title for the Raptors, uh, 905 a couple years ago. Like, that was all stuff that he did and to sort of ingratiate himself. So I had no problem putting him higher, even though his statistical profile looks a lot like someone who should be in, in the 200s. But I, uh, yeah. just the. The way he endeared himself to the fan base and sort of impressed himself on the fabric of the team, I, I just think you have to boost him up for that. Yeah, good luck to him in Houston. Um, He's the handsomest rocket now. It's not even <laughs> close. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that picture, man. I, I'm I'm already back in on Bruno after seeing that picture. Yeah, it's a great photo. He's he's like significantly taller than Clint Capella. It's crazy. He's a freaky dude, and he's, he's like, so long. I, his arms yeah. are so long. I've like I covering games and stuff. The only people that I've like, like only players who I've looked at and been like, that's that's startling to see that person are Giannis and Bruno. Yeah, they're just like that. That's a, a strange looking human who is irreplicable and it's <laughs> incredible. And Bruno was very much in that. Obviously, he's not as good as Giannis yet. It'll come. Yeah, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I I kind of have high hopes that he'll do something with the Rockets this year at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, good luck to him. Uh, and then, okay, so you're third, um, and uh, so far, this is the point we're up to now, um, rankings list is the quasi-memorable roster fringe. Yeah. Fantastic <laughs> title. Uh, numbers 150 to 121. Um, so quickly, um, Sebastian Telfair, do you remember that Slam magazine cover with LeBron James and Telfair? I think I do, yeah. I've seen the picture for sure. Um, yeah, and it says, like... Uh, who would have guessed that LeBron James and Sebastian Telfair are about to rule the world? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. It's just, it's insane. I think that might be the only time they've ever been in the same room together. Like, or at least that I've ever seen them. It's so weird. I just, like, Sebastian, stop having guns in your car, please. It's yeah. not working out for you to have guns in the car. Try something new. Yeah. Find a new slant, as they say. Yeah. Find a new slant. <laughs> Um, Lorenzo Brown, yeah. G League MVP, um, never hesitant in the G League, a little hesitant in the NBA, um, but hey, he's got a full-fledged contract this season, um, I'm happy for him, uh, he put in the work and now he got, has the contract, um, the Raptors have about 50 point guards, um, yeah. so that's, that's great, but, um, I'm happy for him, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, I like Lorenzo Brown. Uh, it was startling. I covered one 905 game last year, and I'm pretty sure he put up like 27, 8, and 9 in the game. Woo. He was insane, but he did that pretty much every night he played and won yep. MVP, obviously. And just to see him come to the Raptors and just be the most deferential player in the world, obviously he's trying to sort of conform to whatever role Dwayne Casey wanted him to have on the team, and obviously there are guys higher than him on the pecking order, but just like the way he could just switch it off was pretty impressive to me, actually. But like... Dude, you're obviously an NBA player. You're destroying the G League. Just, like, take a shot once in a while, buddy. Like, you don't have to pass everything off. And it felt like a month or two before he even put a single shot up. And once he started to get him up, it was a little better. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I hope we see some Lorenzo Brown this year. He seems like a guy that people like having around, and he yeah. has some skills. I mean, there's lots of guys in front of him, as you alluded to, but can't hurt to have extra point guards when Kyle Lowry's in his 30s. And, yeah. um, you know, he's also kind of tall, so he can play the two a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a nice little player. He might jump up above 131 with a strong showing this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, okay, so quickly near the end here. One, I totally forgot Rod Strickland was a Raptor. Uh, <laughs> that is, wow, wild. I Now I'm having a flashbacks, and it's it's kind of like Kill Bill flashbacks with that crazy music of like, dun, 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 dun. yeah. <laughs> um, and then two, Fred Jones is totally the name of the guy from Scooby-Doo. And uh, now I can only think of Fred Jones, the basketball player, wearing an ascot. So. Is that his last name? Like, they have last names on, on Scooby-Doo? Yeah. What's Velma's last name? Uh, that's a great question. I, I don't know. 
Okay. Well, we got to look this um, up now. I, I don't remember. So we got remember, Shaggy Rogers. Yeah. We got Fred Jones, Daphne Blake, Velma Dinkley. Dinkley. Okay. And uh, that's all the people. All the other ones are just dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there are other dogs on the, uh, that are listed here on Wikipedia. Scooby-Doo, Scrappy-Doo, Scooby-Dum, and Yabba-Doo. Oh, God. So, is, that yeah. a, is that a Flintstones crossover? I, I, uh, I, it is Hanna-Barbera, so maybe. <laughs> yeah, could have been. <laughs> they had a crossovers with, like, they had the Globetrotters on there. <laughs> um, so, okay. So the last thing I wanted to just quickly mention is I'm super hyped – I just want you to know that I'm super hyped for when you write about TJ Ford. Um, oh, he'll be late. I, I mean, that guy is – I mean, so many guys are stunningly high to me. Like, yeah. I have, like, a loose list. I kind of edit it as I go once I copy-paste the names into the doc and I, like, kind of flush out the the post. But, um, yeah, TJ Ford is, I'm pretty sure, in the top 20, which, considering he played, like, two seasons and then it had his back explode on him, like, that, yeah. that's – says a lot about how much talent this team has had over the years, but also TJ Ford was really good. Yeah, he was. The first Raptors jersey, I think first jersey in general I've ever owned is a TJ Ford jersey. That's a good jersey to have. Yeah. I wish I got a TJ Ford jersey. Oh, fantastic. He was, he was my guy. I loved watching TJ Ford in those years. Um, Fastest player in the NBA, and Chuck Swirsky made sure you knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um Okay, so for the last like couple minutes, really quickly, I just wanted yeah. to talk about um, the actual writing side of this uh, because this is different than anything I've had with anybody on here on this podcast so far. Um, your writing is funny. You're really funny. Um, you're a funny person, so obviously you're a funny writer. Um, but I wanted to know how do you find that balance when you're writing because I I know for myself I used to have um, – I'd let some jokes come out in my own writing – but it kind of hurt the overall tone of the piece because for mm. the most part I was serious. And then, you know, I'd have a random metaphor here or there that was just like an elongated joke. Um, and it just kind of didn't really fit. So and since then, I kind of just I just cut that stuff out. And uh, my articles are mostly serious now. Um, but how do you find that balance of being able to, like, deliver, like, a meaningful point and also, you know, throw the jokes in there? Yeah, it's, it's something that I've had to kind of work on because when I first started blogging, like, I was very much just, like, straight-laced. Like, here's the analysis you need and want, and I'm not really going to inject all that much personality or humor into it. But then, I don't know, I think it's probably a byproduct of just, like, there being so much basketball writing out there. And I think I was probably a lot less good at doing the sort of X's and O's stuff you know, than a lot of people who were doing it. And I just like, all right, well, I got to try to find a new lane. Otherwise, I'm just going to kind of be, you know, just kind of blocked out but like the sun in, a, in an eclipse by all these other great writers who are much better at this analytical thing than me. So I I still think like I think my analysis can kind of hang with a lot of people. Like I, I think I know the game pretty well and I mm-hmm. think I can work that into the piece when I want to. But kind of at the start of last season, I just tried to try to have a little bit more fun because I just I, – I, was finding myself just kind of getting into a bit of a, a funk with my writing where it was like, okay, I'm going to write the same thing about this pick and roll or this coverage or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not doing this as well as other people. And I think I can inject a little bit more sort of life and vibrancy into what I'm writing. And I mean, let's call it what it is. Like this stuff is pretty low brow writing. Like I'm not <laughs> putting, pouring my soul into this and sure. you know, it happens pretty quick. And I, I'm mostly just writing tweets about every player at this mm. point. Um, yeah. some of them are longer obviously, but like, I'm just, they're pretty quick and quippy, but, um, yeah, it's something that you got to kind of work at. And I think at this point now, after a year or so of doing it this way, where I try to have, have a little bit more humor with it, I think people are kind of coming to expect that with what I'm writing as opposed to it being like a big stark difference from what I used to do. And I think probably just the fact that I treat Twitter like it's nonsense and don't care at all on Twitter probably, you know, lends to people sort of knowing what to expect when I, when they pull up what I'm writing. But, um, I don't know. I'm probably talking way more about the, like the process behind it than there actually is. (laughs) It's just like, I, uh, I kind of got into a funk writing wise a year or so ago and just, uh, I tried to change it up and that's pretty much what I did. And then I think the thing that really helped me, I did this thing last year, uh, for my locked on Raptors site, rest in peace to that site. Um, <laughs> I did in December, I did like an advent calendar where I did every huh. single day 
I talked about like is 25 days till Christmas. So I did something to do with the number 25 and the Raptors, whether it was, you know, a number of the T, uh, a number that a guy wore or whatever, or like a certain stat that stands out with that number or something. And sometimes I was really stretching for what the, the tie in was to the day and the number. But I think I had a lot of fun with that. And I was just like, all right, I can get on board with this. And then I did a couple pieces as well where I did one of them was uh, like people really shared around even though I didn't do much work for it I just transcribed a bunch of Jack Armstrong and Matt Devlin conversations on the broadcast that were ridiculous Hmm. and then added my own commentary to it but like that got shared around quite a bit and then I did a oral history uh, of the Christmas album that Jack Armstrong and Eric Smith recorded back in like 2010 or 11 I gotta pull the piece to remember exactly what it was but wow um that was a really fun thing that I did that was completely stupid and had nothing to do with basketball. And I was like, yeah, I like doing this kind of thing. And I'm going to try to do more of this. And this ranking thing is very much there. But, like, I'll still do a serious piece. Like, I'll still break down the the Wednesday night loss to the Bucks or whatever and, you know, talk about what went wrong there. And I can still write about the X's and O's, I think, reasonably well. But I think the, the way that I've tried to balance it, I think, has kind of improved the way at least I – feel about my writing over the last year or so for sure definitely that's awesome um so we're a little pressed for time here so i'm gonna bring this thing to a close but man i want to thank you for coming on so much again sean because i could talk to you for like for hours clearly um (laughs) is there anything you want to plug before we go uh yeah just check out ranking every raptor i've got three posts down i have five left to go uh they're coming out mondays and wednesdays uh for the next few weeks here so monday i'll have players number 120 through 91 so we'll get to the top 100 there'll be some hot takes thrown around in there i'm pretty sure ben uzo is going to make an appearance i have a take about that that i have in the can ready to fire um and then uh, next wednesday i'll do players 90 through 61 i suppose and we'll get down to i think the last post will be just the top 10 so i'll split the last 30 up into two posts but other than that mondays and wednesdays 30 players each day and uh you can kind of get into your feelings (laughs) with uh how bad this team used to be because it's going to be a long time before we come across any actually good players like it's going to be the last two (laughs) posts where we actually get to guys who were tangibly good yeah um so it's uh it's been a lot of fun and i hope people check that out and you can follow me on twitter at woodley sean where i incessantly retweet the posts every time they come out definitely do that keep reading his articles they're awesome they're hilarious they're fun um you get a little bit of a history lesson too it's great um yeah if you want to find this podcast it's called the writer's right podcast you can find it on anchor.fm or the anchor app if you have that and you can also now get this podcast on apple podcast um since enough of you were kind enough to request that i put it somewhere other than anchor uh, which is a little known app at this point um so you can also follow the podcast on twitter at writer's right pod where links to the episodes will be posted along with uh links to um, my guest articles and until then you can follow me at howvolution on twitter and you can find my own online work at Raptors Republic, B-Ball Breakdown occasionally, and Scene Creek. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a great day.